right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. See? What? See? What? Just like yesterday. What? It was like I was saying hey, but you said no, hey. No, it's obviously two different voices. We don't sound the same. What do you? Wh- I don't understand. But what they you got hear the idea. hey after the name Derek Johnson. But you said I'm sense. Derek Johnson, so they know that you are Derek Johnson. Okay. Um, because you said it. You said literally, <laughs> I am Derek Johnson. What? Where? Explain to me where the disconnect is there. It's just immediately after. You can't. Because I am Derek Johnson is as clear. And then you say, hey. So it's like you're saying. But you know. said with me, Nick Springer, and then you say Derek Johnson. I'm Derek Johnson. Or am I Nick Springer? No. You just said I am Derek Johnson. No, you said that. No, you said it. You were saying it about me saying No, that's what you said. <laughs> RCSD is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. On today's show, we're going to have a top 10 list of the best state nicknames we also have some news to report. Uh, we'll get to the C in RCST standing for court later today with a couple stories that came out. We have two editions of RCST trivia coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports will join the show a little bit later. I got a KU basketball deep dive that we're going to do in the 5 o'clock hour. And right off the top here, um, a little KU football position preview. We've got the specialists on today's show, which is the kickers, the punters. Yeah, a position that maybe... Normally, you'd be like, seriously, you're going to preview the kickers and punters? But for KU, kind of significant. Yeah, very significant. It's something where you notice it a lot more when it's bad Yeah. than when it's good, and it's just like, okay, yeah, like, when it's, you know, move on. When it's, even if it's like just average or just fine, like you don't notice it at all. Mm-hmm. But then when it's bad, you're like, wow, it's really yeah. bad. Yes. What are the other examples of things that are like that? Uh oh, your Wi-Fi. When your Wi-Fi is fine, that's true. You don't fine. notice it. You never compliment it. Yes, you never say good job, Wi-Fi. Thanks for loading that video in a time period that was sufficient for my very very tiny attention span. Thank you. Yes. Should we thank more stuff that's just fine? I guess, but also like some of that stuff is inanimate. Like it doesn't have emotions. So why would we thank it? I don't know. But you're right. You know, just in general, in life, we should be more thankful for even the small things that we don't notice about. And I guess kickers and punters would go up in that range. Now, as part of this, I'm not really going to get into, I don't know, we'll, we'll get there, we'll get there. Um, okay. Let's just start with this, the players. So, uh, I think starters for me, uh, Luke Hosford was your long snapper last year. He's a redshirt junior now. We're just going to assume that slides in to be the case this year. Uh, kicker. That's especially one. Like, at least with the kicker, it's like, wow, good job. You made that 40-yard field goal. (laughs) 
they, I feel like there's never enough compliment for like good snap. You know, it's true, only yeah, yeah. oh no, he missed no, the guy true. in the snap. When the kicker that makes one the field goal, yeah. it's only ever good job kicker. Right. It's never a good job long snapper. <laughs> good job holder. Yeah. Uh, kicker though, I'm assuming Seth Keller is going to be the starter. He's I think a redshirt senior. Safe assumption. Yeah. Now we could get into as part of the two deep. Owen Gertis could be the starter hypothetically. Um, yeah. No, I think Owen I think he's a, has a good chance to, to potentially be the yes. starter. It's enough of an open competition that Owen could win the job over Seth Keller, but then I'm not expecting Owen to win the job because Seth Keller, I think, has a stronger leg. I think you're going to have more um, yeah. of a long range in terms of the field goals. Yeah, I mean, we didn't see a lot from the spring game, but Owen, I think, made, made it. <laughs> <laughs> See how long it go. <laughs> okay, I think Owen made his field goal, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, In but the, it was like uh, barely. Barely crawled <laughs> over. Seth Keller, I think, kicked the field goal too. Yeah, it was limited field. attempts for everyone, so you didn't get to see a ton. I just The track record of Seth Keller, um, I'm going to go with him. And then when I look at next up, like Charlie Weinrich, he's a redshirt freshman. He's the transfer over from Nebraska, originally from the Kansas City area. I view it as being like Seth Keller's job here in 2023. Yep. Then we come to 2024, and it's an open competition between Owen <laughs> and Charlie Weinrich <laughs> at that point. So that's how I view that happening. That was a misclick. Sorry. And that's obviously a, a, a big uh, improvement from where you were last year in terms of the kicking game, and really the last two years, in what you could possibly get from Seth Keller. Now, as far as the punting position, uh, Damon Greaves is the incoming freshman from Australia. Yes. Who you are very high on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I took a day trip down there, checked him out. Just uh, one day. Some giant punts. Yeah, no, just a nice, easy drive. Just drove on down there. And, uh, yeah, he looked pretty good to me. Do you think they'll ever, like, build highways across the ocean? Okay. I don't know if you've ever couple... seen Bojack Horseman. They, you know, build a highway from, uh, like, California to Hawaii. But it's like a one-lane highway both ways. <laughs> so here's the thing. Why would you need what, – what is the reasoning for building a highway? So that Across you can drive somewhere. So that you but, can okay, drive but, to Australia. You don't have to fly. Okay, but you realize how far you'd have to drive? Oh, yeah, a very long way. And, and like, like okay, also, you know, you understand how highways, especially over water, work, right? Mm -hmm. You have the it's like you a have bridge. Something to, but, but, like, generally, you need, you'd have to have the world's greatest suspension bridge of all time. <laughs> like, you, you, you don't understand the engineering that'd be required to huh? build a bridge that didn't have any sort of support. Because, like, how are you going to build a support beam in the ocean? Explain that one to me, Mr. Mr. Engineer. I'm just asking the question. I'm just asking the question. Okay. This is the conversation. Yeah. Okay. Well, nonetheless, Damon Greaves. Uh, but anyways, after yeah. my personal drive down to Australia, uh, in which I did just drive straight down there because I had that capability. Uh, yeah. No. Great. Not not concerned at all. Yes. Uh, he's now. I don't know if he. You know, Australian, obviously. Um, does that imply he's like a rugby style punter? You know the type of punting where it's like the, I would, I would assume so. He takes a few steps to the right. Is, so it, that is it, it fair to just assume that? I, it could be right. I don't know. The I mean, rugby I think style they punting. Teach other punters how to regularly punt. No, it could Australia. be. Basically, Isn't the idea it, there. I think uh, J.K. Scott from with the Packers. I'm pretty yeah. sure he's Australian and he punts normally. That's true. So it could be, could be not. But if he is the Australian style punter, basically that's a, a way to you know reduce. There's no hang time on it, but you take a little bit longer to get it off because you're taking kind of the steps to the right and everything, and then it's low, and it's, it's tough to return. Uh, so we'll see what he ends up bringing to the table. But it sounds like okay, the JK expectation Scott, there. not Australian, by the Okay. Way. It's completely wrong. He's from Colorado. Oh, yeah. 
Nice one there. Similar uh, <laughs> terrain to Australia. Well, and, and it's interesting because you have Reese Vernon coming back, and he's been a two-year starter for you. That it, it'd be easy to be like, well, of course that guy's going to just you know start again for you a punter. But Reese Vernon has struggled. He is ranked last in the Big Twelve the last two years in yards per punt, and. Um, if you can get an improvement there, that would be a nice pickup. So I, I that's kind of why I'm expecting that with Damon Greaves. But those would be the two guys, either way. Uh, yes. And then others on the roster, Graydon Addison, he's a redshirt sophomore punter. And then there is Tabor Allen, who I believe has been used in, like, the kickoffs. He's got, like, uh, a strong leg. You might be right on that. So you have a strong leg. Maybe it's not, like, field goal kicking leg. So we'll see if he does that again. He's a junior, or if it does end up being... One of these other players. Oh, wait, um, did you see uh, Hawkman said that he says please and thank you to his Google Home? That way, when Google takes everything oh. over, he it'll remember that it was he was nice to it. Yes, yeah, no, that's a good idea. Like your uh, being nice, to your AI. Alexa, your Google Home, being nice to AI, good thing. <laughs> but like, if if I'm like thank you wall for standing up, like I don't think that does anything for me. Well, no, not the wall, but like you know your Wi-Fi or uh, you know. I don't know. Okay. Other stuff that is helpful, that does good jobs. Okay. You know? Yeah. Dude, how stupid is that to say good job to a wall? It's a wall. What do you mean? I'm just saying, like, there are certain things where you don't have to thank. Yeah, no. Yeah, of course. I'm not going to thank the wall. The Mm -hmm. wall is the wall. Yeah. It's supporting the building. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. I don't need to thank that. Okay. Uh, It's the biggest story. Question marks, I guess, uh, about all this. Well, there's lots of questions. Yeah, here's my first one. You had the worst field goal team in the conference last year, just by field goal percentage. This is just me taking stats. I'm not, you know, whatever. Uh, Punts, same thing. Last in the conference in in yards per punt last year. Can you just not be the worst in the Big 12 at place kicking and punting? And how much is that worth in terms of value to wins? Yeah, that's a pretty low bar, number one, uh, to just not be worse than, Mm -hmm. than, uh, not be the worst in the conference. And... Okay, if you add four teams, does that make it easier or more difficult to not be the worst? You would think easier, right? There's more teams that could be worse. <laughs> yeah, There's more teams I guess. that could be bad. That's true. So let's say if they're 13th, okay, let's say if you're 13th in the conference this year, is 13th in the conference this year any better than 10th in the conference <laughs> last year? Can we be sure of that? Um, yes, I think it is because if you think about it, you're going to be playing possibly some of those teams who are between that 11 to 14 range. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So first question, just be better. Cause, cause this is part of it too. It means if you're 10th, like how, you don't know how big the gap was between you and ninth. Sure. It could have been that your 10th would have been 14th. Okay. Yeah. Right. Oh. So there is a Dang. different difference in it. We're getting into some mental gymnastics. Yeah. No, I, it's it's not all equal, basically, is what I'm saying. Um, oh, I agree with that. But, yeah, I mean, listen, your field goal unit, it was not good. It was not consistent. And I don't think anybody is saying you need to make every single field goal you attempt. But no. you need to be reliable within range, right? It was pretty much a 50-50 propaganda last year. Anything outside of 30 yards. 50-50 what? Propaganda. Or I don't know. <laughs> It's <laughs> just simply not yeah. the right word. As <laughs> <No>. if, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it was it was a coin flip. <laughs> anytime you shot a field goal thirty yards or beyond, it really was. Yes, yes. And you can't have that. 
It's got to be, you know, 70% or higher. It's got to be reliable up until, like, 45 yards, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Is that too? I don't know. I no, mean, I mean it, dude, it's college kickers. 30 like, and under should be 100% unless it gets, like, blocked. 30 to 40 should be, I would assume, like, like at least 75, 80%. At least. Oh, wow. I'm saying at least. Oh, okay, okay, okay. 75, 80%. And then you get to, like, the 40 to 45. Like, yeah, you'd hope that's around 70. And then 45 up to 50. Like, that's fine if that's a coin flip. Yes. Well, I, at I the college that. level. At the college level, yeah. Can you do that? Yeah. And Seth Keller has in his career. Yeah, I mean, I think what what he's like 83% accuracy for his career total. Yeah, here, this uh, will actually be a good look because ESPN has the splits out like by what you kicked yardage-wise. But last year, he was 87.5%. Year before, 83.3%. Year before that, 89 He was... Yeah, yeah. Four for okay, so from twenty to twenty-nine yards for his career at Texas State, he went six of eight. No, wait, I'm sorry, I, I'm six of seven, six of seven. So he had one miss. I don't know if it was blocked or what. Uh, Thirty to thirty-nine yards, he went fifteen of seventeen. Okay, so that's very good. Forty to forty-nine, he went sixteen of eighteen. Also very good. That is really good, yeah. And he had longs each year of 49, 48, 48. He also missed only one PAT on, like, 93 attempts over his career, which, again, could have been blocked. I don't know. That's very good. That is a huge improvement from what K's got. And yeah. and that's one of the beauties, and too. The biggest thing with that, uh, I just want to jump in real quick. Yeah. The biggest thing with that you read with that is that's three years where he was 83% or better. So right. consistency. He's consistently should be that level. And the beauty of bringing on a transfer kicker, this isn't, I mean, I guess you could say the pressure is different, but this isn't the same as bringing on like a transfer offensive tackle where you're like, well, he was really good at his last stop, but now he's playing players who are way bigger. It doesn't change now he's what you're asked to be doing. goalposts that are way No, the goalposts are the more same. menacing. The goalposts are the same. Now he's the playing. ball is the same. Yeah, right? Like, it's it's all basically the same there. The only difference could be pressure, being on a winning team, uh, which that does matter. You know, the mental no, side Texas of it is, is important. Dunk. Yes. For a while. So that's that's the big thing. Can you can you improve? And honestly, like, can you make the jump? If Seth Keller has a season where he's kicking, you know, high 80 percentage, he's going to be one of the top half kickers in the Big 12. And at that point, yeah. the difference from what you had last year to, to this year is going to be pretty monumental. Same goes for, for the punting side of things. That one, I think, is a, a little more unseen because we don't necessarily have stats on it since he is a freshman. The other part of this, now, we didn't really include these in the specialists, and I think part of it is because you could just pick, like, a million guys. Do you have any idea who you think the return men are going to be? I don't, honestly. No, I don't even know if the staff does. I mean, maybe they do now. When we talked to them last in May, they certainly didn't, or April, whenever, at the end of spring ball, they certainly didn't have any idea. So, I don't know. It might be Jason Bean. It might be, you know, whoever. I have no idea. Right. I think Savion Morrison would make a good returning man. I do, too. I like Savion Morrison. Yeah. Uh Trevor Wilson had his stuff go off the the field last year, and I think that derailed a bit of his season. But he's someone that I look at as uh, I, I don't know punt return, kick return. He's good with the ball in his hands. He's fast. Like that could be somebody that makes sense. There are options here. You could go up and down the list, but yeah. um, I think honestly the biggest question. But dude, with the type of offense you have, just go back there and fair catch. Seriously, just catch the ball. Fair for catch for punts, yes. or for kicks, or for both. For both, honestly. As you know, I'm a big advocate of never returning kicks. What about punts, though? 
Why not punts? Why can't you return a punt? Punts um are it's it's fine, but with punts, that's where you have all your muffs. Okay, so, but either way, whether you fair catch it or not, you have to catch it. I think but the, the reason why you muff it more on a punt is because you're trying to look and see, am I about to get run over by a train? What do I need to do after I catch the ball? And Guys think, drop it on fair catches Ooh. all the time. I think well, O.J. Burroughs, remember last year against K-State? I think that was a fair catch. Well, but more often than not, it's when you're trying know. to look ahead, I think, is Maybe. when you drop it. I feel like. Okay. That's fine. Uh, what do you but think yes, the impact of Sean Snyder's? My, my philosophy is fair catch everything. Sean Snyder, I, I would think, listen. There's no way he could have a negative impact. I think, right? He can only be, <laughs> he can only be better. I feel like is that fair? Um, I would just say that that logic for KU fans for about a decade of we've hit rock bottom. <laughs> it can only go up from here. You know what's worse that was than really hitting rock the, bottom? No, continuing to hitting, be at rock bottom, staying at rock bottom. And and it's not that dire with special teams. That is overselling it a bit. But don't over, don't ever. Just assume that, oh, it's going to be better because it can't be worse. right? can't get any worse. Because it can. It can. Uh, but but I mean, point. he's obviously yes. a competent special teams mm-hmm. coach who has a lot of experience and is somebody that uh, Lance Leipold, I think it was Lance Leipold, who kind of discussed his role and how he, you know, what his, what kind of input he'll have in terms of on game days and how that works out. So the thing with that is like a couple things. Number one, A, very hard to gauge what kind of real impact he'll have, right? It's very hard to, to statistically be like, oh, this coach impacted, you know, this that much or whatever. Two, I do think that there may be, I think early on in the year, maybe you won't, I, I mean, do you think, basically what I'm trying to say is, early in the year, if Sean Snyder is going to be involved in game days, will there be any sort of like transitional period or mm. period of like, they're still trying to make sure everyone's on the same page. Does that make sense? Yeah. I would assume that with the staff continuity and how good this staff is, that they'll get that stuff figured out. But, yeah, I mean, how much exactly is that worth? Like, is it worth a slight boost? Is it worth a gigantic boost? I guess we'll kind of uh, wait and see on that. So, I guess confidence scale, better, worse, or the same than last year? Uh, Again, better. I think. I don't know how you or, couldn't say it's better, to be honest. I mean, I guess you could say it's the same if they're just not good again. But that would take me to be the same, you would have to be the worst in the Big Twelve. Do you think this is going to be the worst in the Big Twelve with kicker punter? I don't think so. I don't think so either. So I think they're going to be closer to be in the middle of the pack. So then better. Hundred percent. Easily better. Yes. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our uh, KU football specialist position preview. We're going to get on to uh, Kevin Flaherty, some RCST trivia coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Coming up next, though, a couple uh, interesting developments, I guess, from off-the-field-related stuff for one KU football, one for KU basketball. We're going to discuss next on KLWN, depending on it. About half past three on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We got RCST Trivia, Kevin Flaherty interview coming up in the four o'clock hour here. Coming up next, I'm going to give you the top ten best state nicknames. Will the Sunflower State be on there? Stick around to find out. I feel like it's got to be. Okay. First of all, it's pretty good. Well, we'll get there when we get there. What other states are better? There's lots of states, Nick. There's 50 states. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Thanks. (laughs) Okay. uh, the, The C in RCST today stands for court because we're about to have some court talk. Here on the show. Um, okay, first one up. I guess we should talk about this. This uh, happened last 
uh, yesterday at the KU football facility that uh, there's a bomb threat called in. Yeah, so yesterday afternoon, uh, there was a pretty much exactly what you said, some sort of bomb threat called into the football stadium facility area, and uh, the police responded and cleared it. They said no devices were found. And then uh, more details started to come out over the course of the afternoon into the evening, and it sounds like maybe there was some involvement of a KU offensive lineman, Joe Kraus, who was then arrested, and actually his first court appearance was scheduled for 3 o'clock today, so happening, I, I think, right now as we're speaking. Uh, so I guess we'll see what comes out of that. But uh, it sounds like maybe it was a, a prank gone wrong, potentially, but... Uh, he's now facing some felony charges, so uh, pretty serious stuff right now. Yes. So that's not great. Um, now, it's one of those things I, I saw I, I saw somebody, I, I'm sorry, I think this was uh, Gifhawk on, on Twitter, uh, posting some, some pictures of Joe Krause, like kind of messing around in a lot of different ways. So like to your point on, I think it was Bryson Stricker too who kind of talked about it possibly being a prank gone wrong. Um, and, and he just seems like kind of a, based on those pictures, like, I don't know, just kind of a, a guy who likes to mess around and stuff. So I don't know if to the point on that prank gone wrong, if it was like, Hey, you know, you know, it'd be cool. Um, like, dude, I don't want to go cancel practice. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go just, to wait. And they didn't realize that, Hey, that's like a very real crime. So I don't know how much like it will matter that like, I'd imagine KU football. It's one of those things where they would be like, no, like let us punish him. I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, do you, I mean, if that was the case, let's say hypothetically it was like a, I don't want to go to practice, or I don't want to go right. to weightlifting, like, and he does that, I mean, it, that to me seems like maybe you just kick him off the team. Yeah. To you. Yeah, that's that, and, and that's unfortunate for him, too, if, if that is going to be the end of his KU career, for it to go out like that, like, yeah. you know. Um, but I guess you learn your lesson, and sometimes you do dumb things Hopefully. as a kid. Uh, okay, this one... Uh, also is a thing that is happening, I guess. I, I don't really know how to – because there, okay. this is kind yeah. of a, a constant thing that is, is ongoing. Yep. Um, so I, this is from Henry Greenstein of the uh, Lawrence Journal World. A motion for continuance, uh, an example, an attempt to delay court proceedings, has just been entered in the Arterio Morris misdemeanor assault case. It appears an affidavit of non-prosecution may have been filed yesterday, but the DA's office could still choose to pursue charges. This is all according to the Denton County, Texas court records available online. Uh, he has not heard back from them. He said, notably, it does not say yet on the docket that the continuation has been granted. Which the, I think it actually was. Yeah, an update to that. Yeah, I was going to say, because uh, today was supposed to be the jury trial announcement ahead of the trial date on August 2nd. He later updated that and said, Arterio Morris's motion for continuance has been granted, and the August 2nd trial date has been canceled, according to court records, waiting well, to see what canceled, materializes. Well, pushed back. I don't know. That's what he said. The August no, 2nd trial date has been canceled. According continuance to means that it's going to be moved back to a later date. I'm okay. Sure. Uh he said this is the fourth continuance in the case. Yeah, but the so case is for, still listed as active. Yeah, exactly. So basically, if you are not quite sure what all that it lawyer, was also entered by Morris's side. Well, if if you're basically not quite sure what all that lawyer crap means, continuance is essentially the equivalent of we're just gonna move it back, and that can happen for a wide variety of reasons. Uh, so that's basically all that means. So essentially, whatever was supposed to happen on August second when they were supposed to have the trial, that's moved back. The interesting part of 
the reporting from from Henry Greenstein and from other uh, news sources as well is that yeah, I think Jordan Gusky was on a bunch of stuff. With yeah, this is that um, from the Capital Journal? Is that the the woman or whoever was the 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 party the plaintiff party essentially had basically decided to recant and said I'm not interested in pursuing this case any further, but the state can still pursue the case if they want to. So it's basically now up to the DA's office or the district attorneys to be like, we want to continue with this. We want to continue forward and actually prosecute this case or, or not essentially. And so what that, what that tells me is that Arterio Morris and his, uh, whoever is representing him, his lawyers, whatever, want to want to do a continuance to postpone it, to basically put the ball back in the DA's court to say, Hey, are you guys going to still bother with this pursue it? Or are you just going to say, you know what? We're Mm -hmm. good. Because the uh, his ex girlfriend, I think it was the woman, was the one that sort of basically said, "I don't want to pursue it anymore." Uh, which that listen, that can happen very frequently. That can happen for a wide variety of reasons. I yeah. mean, you know, maybe if you are, if you're the victim of a crime, maybe you don't you don't want to have to go through the process of reliving it in a trial where you know everything's going to be scrutinized and you don't want to have to deal with that, uh, you know, emotionally or psychologically or whatever. I mean, there can be a whole wide variety of reasons why you would choose to just to drop. The, the charges or choose to to go ahead and not right. continue with it. It could be that I don't know somebody's gotten to you. Uh, it could be that, like you said, you don't want to relive everything. It could be that you like because keep in mind with all these continuances, sometimes and that is a strategy. This is a very emotionally yes. distressful case. Sure, I mean, you're talking about a case of possible domestic. You don't want to bring stuff up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it also this is a strategy from you know usually from the more powerful side, the more money-related side, that they can withstand doing it longer. They'll keep doing continuances. They'll keep delaying the process so that you have to keep going through it, keep dealing with it, have to keep paying lawyer fees. And they're basically trying to do that to basically force you to eke out of it, to be like, hey, I can no longer afford these lawyer fees. Like, I need to back out of this. Let's just get this thing done. Um, that seems to be the strategy here. I don't think it's the right thing to do, but that's what they're doing, and so it seems like Arteria Morris is going to get off kind of scot-free here. I've made it known my thoughts on this whole thing, and even despite the way that this court case is going, I'm just going to tell you that I still am not supportive of the Arteria Morris thing to KU and that there's a lot of stuff like what's happening right now. This is a perfect example of how you know the system with some of this type of stuff can get kind of shrugged under the rug. So um, I'll just leave it there. Yeah, this is definitely classic, you know, defense strategy of, you know, what, I, and like I said, we obviously we are not, we don't know the woman, we don't know the situation of anything like that. Like I said, there could be a wide variety of reasons of why you would choose to, to not pursue. And, and I've even have a little bit of personal experience with that where some, where it's simpler, something similar to this happened with something that I was involved in where the case kept getting drawn out and drawn out because the defense was specifically trying to either force the person who was bringing the charges to be like, you know what, this is not worth it anymore, or, you know, to just continue to draw it out for whatever reason. So it's 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 a common defense strategy. Uh, and, and again, it, obviously, from our, from the standpoint of Arterio Morris, he's innocent until proven guilty, and if the case becomes closed, then at that point it, it sucks, but that's kind of what's going to happen, is that basically once that happens, KU can just say, well, everything's fine. Right. Uh, which, you know, at that point, then once it becomes closed, I guess we'll yeah. never really know. And, well, and listen, if Arterio Morris is a model citizen, which it sounds like maybe he kind of was during his time at Texas, if he is, uh, you know, 
maybe he didn't even do anything wrong. But if he if he stays in his lane, I think uh, over time maybe you start to come around and say, you know what, made one mistake when you were a young kid. Lots of people do, but uh, I think you're right. the The way it's unfolding, I think for for KU fans, probably certain certainly doesn't give them a lot of reassurance that this is unfolding in such a manner to where there was actually nothing that happened. No, and I'll be honest. Like, I don't think it really matters what happens in this. If you're just viewing this from an on-court perspective, I don't think it's going to matter what what really happens. To be honest, I don't I think Bill Self already said to he's going to play. Yeah, he, he he literally he literally said yes. Arturo Morris will play. He basically washed his hands clean when he said, "Well, he wasn't suspended at Texas. Why would we suspend him?" I and this happened before he was at Texas. That pretty yeah. much, you know, tells you where it's at. And I, I still go back to the on the Jeff Goodman podcast when he was on there, and he basically alluded to. Yeah, he, this is going to allow him to play with a chip on his shoulder. Like, I don't know. All that stuff, this is kind of disgusting to me. So, anyway. All right, we're going to get to our top 10 best state nicknames coming up next with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We're about a quarter till four. We got two RCST football trivia matchups coming up at the four o'clock hour. Kevin Flaherty will join us at 440 as well. We got a KU basketball deep dive coming up at the top of the five o'clock hour as well. Uh, but first, this was uh, an idea that came to us when we were talking about the TBT last week and we were talking about, you know, the KU team was playing. What were we talking about? The show me squad. The Missouri oh, the team. Show Me State. And we were like, well, why Why Show Me Squad? Why is, is it called the Show Me State? And we looked it up. It was really stupid. It was um, really stupid. It so we decided. Like, oh, I'm dumb. You need to show me again. Yes. <laughs> or something. It was, it was really dumb. Uh, it's because uh, it, it was based on the fact that Missourians don't believe something until they see it. Yeah, because they're. So you had to show it to them. Idiots. <laughs> so it's like, well, you're telling me the earth is round, but how do show I me. know? Yeah. yeah show me. <laughs> So anyway, uh, we're going to do the the worst state nicknames later this week. But let's do the best ones. Let's start with a positive here. I have one honorable mention. Okay. The Yellowhammer State. What? That's, That's a sick. Badass name. That's not in the top ten? But unfortunately, it's the Alabama is the Yellowhammer State. Why? The reason it's not in the top ten, just name alone, it sounds awesome. I agree. It should be in the top ten. But then when you actually figure out what a Yellowhammer is, you're like, oh, okay. Is it, is it it's a bird. Oh. It's just a yellow, like, small bird. Dude, honestly, that's kind of a hammer? A yellow hammer? That's a sick name for a bird, too, though. Yeah, it is. So that's why I got honorable mention. Cool name, but it's nothing, like, too special, I guess. Okay. I, I think it should have been in the top ten. In the top ten. Number ten. The Beaver State. Oregon. Ah, yeah, there we go. So if you're going to name your state after, like, an animal, it better be a cool animal. Yes. Right? Beaver. Beaver is a cool animal. Beaver's qualified. It's yeah. unique. Now, I, I would be a little, uh, I think it's funny that Oregon State is the Beavers, but Oregon is the Ducks, you know? Well, yeah, be, well, it's I would just think that Oregon University would be the, the like, bigger one, the state one, you know what I mean? I guess, although it is a state school, Dude, maybe it makes sense. Dude, it's state in its name. Yeah. Oregon State. That's fair. Uh, but the well, Beaver I mean, State. The, Oregon State may have been founded before Oregon. Okay. You don't, how maybe. Do you know? I don't. Exactly. So then that's how they were the know. Beavers. Nobody can ever tell. That's Nobody will be able to ever look it up. No way of knowing. Beaver State in at number 10. Number nine. Ninth is Minnesota. It's the North Star State. Mm. Uh, you get astrology, so, okay. astronomy. What is it? One of them. What? Astrology, astronomy. What's the difference? Uh, One of them. No, astrology is like your sign. Like Sagittarius, okay. Gemini, can't. Like that's, that's so astronomy is what we're going astronomy. for here. Astronomy. Dude, where is your head today, man? You're all over the place. Um, okay. Question though, yeah, 
Minnesota is also referred to as the land of a thousand lakes or ten thousand lakes. Sure. How does that? How, how did that go into the committee's ranking? Wait, I thought that was Michigan. I don't know. Doesn't Wait, matter. No, it's definitely Minnesota. Well, a lot of these states do have multiple ones. Okay. I'm going with the one that is is like it's, it's the, the blank state. Okay. Right, okay. and that's not the case for all of them. Some of them don't even have the the blank state. What do they have? Well, we'll get to those because there actually is a couple in the top five. Oh, um, okay. But like the Sunflower State, for yes. instance, yes. right? So, yes, it is the land of a thousand lakes, but the, the state nickname is the North Star State. Mm-hmm. I still like the North Star North State. North Star State's cool, yeah. North Star is cool, yep. has an important historical value, too, when you go back to like the Underground Railroad, for instance. Um, and yep. it's just in general, like stars, space, cool. Stars are cool. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's not any other states that I think involve Have anything with stars. astronomy. Yeah. Well, Kansas has the Aspa per Aspa. But again, that's not the state nickname. Well, I understand that, but they still have some star stuff. Number eight. The Equality State, which is Wyoming. E- I didn't know wait, this. Equality? Equality. In theory, I should okay. probably rank this number one because equality is good. But I'm just <laughs> ranking the names of the states. So I did give this points for being because this is why. So I did what? actually look up like why these things are called. Yeah, that. I'm really confused. Yeah, because you're like, nobody ever thinks of like, oh, Wyoming, like equality. Yeah, you know? what? Not that it's not, but uh, it was the first state to legalize woman voting. Oh. And that itself should probably get it to number one in terms of the importance or the impact there. But just yes. in, this Women's is the state nicknames, right? important. Yes. So it's very important in everything. But um, in at number eight is the equality state with Wyoming because of the meaning and the impact. And, and that's cool to be like, okay. we were the first state to legalize this, yeah. right? Good, good job, Wyoming. Number seven. Number seven is Montana, which is what? the treasure state. Oh, that's pretty sick. Actually. That is that's cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, uh, it has the rich mineral state. reserves. Now, to your point, Montana also has the one like the land of the lakes. They have like a secondary one. They're uh, big sky country, which that's a cool one too. But big sky. The one we're going with is the treasure state. If your state is known for having treasure, well, okay. Uh, time out though. Yeah, I I actually have an issue with big sky. Okay. This what I mean, you, that's not how the reason is the we're sky? Ranking. What do you mean the sky is big? Of course it's big. It's everything. The sky is massive. <laughs> sure. Why do you need to include big in front of the word sky? Because <laughs> you can see it better. It's not like but skylines the, and stuff. You, you can see it anywhere. It's no, the but sky. there's no skylines and pollution. Um, but wait, that doesn't stop you well, from anyway, seeing the sky. The reason it's the treasure state, Montana is actually the country's foremost producer of metallic treasures, such as gold, silver, and copper. How oh, about that? Interesting. Number. Wait, what number are we on? Uh, number six. Number six. <laughs> number six button. is Delaware. Do you know this one? Delaware. Oh, I think I do. Um, no, you can just tell me. Okay. Delaware is the first state. You oh. get bonus points for being first. <laughs> uh, you can guess why state. it is called the first state, because right? Because they're the first state yes. to become a state. The first of the 13 original states to ratify the U.S. Constitution. You can't have two without number one. True. You yeah. can't have 50 without number no, one. They were Delaware, the original. You get original. bonus points for being first. You know, there, there's actually this uh, book that, uh, you know, talks about in what? marketing how um, being first is a huge marketing strategy. If you're the, the first to something, like, people are just might know you as, like, I don't know if Kleenex was the first tissue or if that's a different thing, but, you know, oh, if you're yeah, just like the first Q-tips, brand to something, people Q-tips. are going to recognize you as that. Q-tips, so Delaware, uh, I don't know really much about Delaware, but they're the first state. I know that about Febreze, them now. Febreze. Yeah. You say you're going to spray some Febreze? Right. Wait, by the way, what is that? What is Febreze? Air freshener. No, I know, but like, 
What? How do you come up with that name? Oh, like that's what? What is that? It's breezy. I don't know where the fuck came from. Like you spray it so it creates a breeze when you spray. Yes. <laughs> Number five. Yeah, into the top five here. <laughs> uh, the Sunshine State. There we go, Florida. Kansas. No. Oh, not. Oh, no, Sunflower. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh, idiot. Okay, um, I'll just rip the Band-Aid off now. Sunflower State was not in here. Wow. That's I probably could have honorable mentioned it, but here's why. There are a Dude, lot of sunflowers states. are cool. I guess. Are they? Aren't they technically a weed? No, they're not a weed, I don't uh, think. I don't think they're a weed. And if you say they're a weed, I say you're wrong. I don't know, man. Uh, it says, cultivated sunflowers tend to be loved and prized by all, while their wild ancestors tends to be considered a weed. Why? Wow. I don't know. Dude, you I guess just it's a controversy. Me. You just I've just I'm crushed. Okay. I don't know. Either way well, first of all, I can't hear, so you said sunshine, not sunflower. Yes. But I was just saying that's why I didn't have I, I to be clear, Kansas is not on the worst. I think Kansas is closer to being on the best list than the worst, but there are a lot of states. Here's why I didn't have it on there, that their state name is just a, fl- a flower, just like the state flower. And so I didn't think it was like ultra creative necessarily. I didn't think it's a bad one. It's definitely in the top twenty. It's more creative than the Sunshine State. I disagree because the Sunshine State. I mean, it's, they didn't even create the sun. They didn't do anything. But, but the what do sun they get? objectively is great. Without the sun, we're dead. And uh, do you, are you ever like, you know what? I wish we had less sunshine. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah, if I lived in like Seattle. I would be miserable. Yes. I need the sun. Exactly. The sun brings me joy. We all need the sun. The sun is great. So being the sunshine state is wonderful. It's wonderful. In a number five. Okay. Number four. Fourth on the list is, this is one of them that doesn't have state in it. Okay. The land of enchantment. I don't even know. What, what state is that? <laughs> what? It is New Mexico. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so I actually, this added up for me because so there's actually New a, uh, do New have a TBT team called the Enchantment. Do um, they have a blank state for New Mexico? Uh, no, they don't. It's just the land of enchantment. Oh, interesting. Um, it's a direct reference to the history and beauty of New Mexico. They officially d- adopted the nickname in 1990, so it's a little bit more of a new one. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've never been to New Mexico. I don't have any experience with New Mexico. I just watched Oppenheimer. There's New Mexico mm. in that. There's a lot of New Mexico in that, actually. Uh, but I don't know. So Oppenheimer, New Mexico, uh, Breaking Bad, New Mexico, Better Call oh, Saul, sure, yeah, a lot Bad. of great TV shows and movies. So boom. It's yeah, because true. it's so enchanting. Hmm. I never thought of that. Uh, but way. it's because New Mexico has stunning desert landscapes, breathtaking snow-capped mountains, bubbling hot springs, remarkable national monuments. Uh, let's be honest, though. It's so enchanting. Can a desert landscape be stunning? It's hot. It's dry it's dusty mm-hmm. what's great about that? it might not be but the name itself land of enchantment <laughs> makes you think it is and that's what really matters here number three number three on the list is georgia the peach state mm, yeah. peaches delicious uh, yeah, that's a good one great that's a good one not a lot of other places i i don't remember if there's any others that have uh, a name after like fruit or vegetable well okay so florida food. has oranges yeah do they call themselves they the do orange not state no or anything or like Anything like that? No. And think about how synonymous peaches are with Georgia. We have the Peach Bowl. True. Oh, we have Peach Bowl. Yeah. I mean, Georgia peaches. You just you hear people be like, "Oh, I'm selling Georgia peaches," and you're like, "Oh, automatically <laughs> just better," you know? Um. So yeah, Peach Peach State peaches good. Georgia yeah. good. I don't have any issues with that. Okay. Cool. Into the top two. Number two. 
Number two on the list of best state nicknames, the Golden State, which is California. Okay, yeah. No, I, that makes sense. You're from California. You're going to be so biased. Well, though. Yep, you're biased. <laughs> this is a rigged list. Okay. From California, put them in the top two. But see, don't you think that describes it super well? When you think I've of never California, been. I don't know. No, but when you think of California, you think of beaches, you think of sunny, you think of you know doing stuff outside. I you think, think of, of the walking Oakland around. Athletics being the worst team in baseball. <laughs> That's the first thing you think of when you think of California. <laughs> no, the I don't Oakland know. Athletics. I don't know what the first thing I think of when I think. And of then California. you have the Golden Gate Bridge. The Golden Gate Bridge. The, yeah. Uh, the the like. It's not the Capitol building because the Capitol is in Sacramento, weirdly enough. But they have like a, I, I forget if it's a treasury or what in San, in Francisco, San Francisco, big golden dome on top of it. Oh, wow. Okay. It's just the golden state. Everything's but golden. Dude, there's Sand is golden-ish. Can, you know, destroy it. Okay. Uh, that's in at number two. <laughs> number one, though. Number one. This is another one that does not have a state name in it. The Last Frontier. Do you know which one that is? It's Alaska, right? Yeah, it is Alaska. Uh, the Last Frontier. Dude, that sounds so gnarly and cool. It does sound like, you know, you go out and you're like, dude, I'm on the edge of civilization. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm out there. I'm in the wilderness. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Do they have anything else cool about Alaska, though? Any other names um, that are cool? It's also the land of Midnight Sun. That is true. Yes. Because, yeah. I, okay, I've been to Alaska. And actually, funny story about this. When I went to Alaska, I was like eight. I've actually been multiple times. The most recent time I went when I was like eight. Uh, my cousin got married when I was like 16, and I didn't go. So I don't know if that makes me a bad cousin. But anyways, when I was eight and I went there, I went there in like June, July over the summer when I was off school. And my aunt and uncle that lived there, they had at the time, I didn't I didn't understand this because I was eight and I was stupid. They had uh, all every single window in their entire house had blackout curtains. Mm. And I was like... Why? And then that night I realized why. Because the sun doesn't go down until <laughs> no. 2 a.m. And then it comes back up at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. That's great. So you wouldn't even be able to sleep if you didn't have blackout curtains yeah. at every window. You have to have it. Uh, do they still get to be the last frontier? Because they were the 49th state added. They're, Hawaii was the 50th. Does Hawaii yeah, but, have to okay. be the last one Fronti- now? The, the term frontier. Yeah, it's not a frontier. The term frontier to me equals like, you know, wilderness. Mm-hmm. Like out in the wild. Do you think that when you think Hawaii? No. Exactly. So okay. I think it's fine. That's fair. But yeah, I mean, it just sounds cool. When you think the last frontier, you think back to like the olden days when you're, you're you know, you're wearing your your uh, bear-shaped hat or a bear-skinned hat. <laughs> Dude, coonskin hat. Yeah, what whatever about? it is. Uh, you know, John, what, uh, Davy Crockett. You're thinking Davy just Crockett. like Davy Crockett. Yep. He's got the musket. He's like yep. hunting. He's living on the land. He's exploring. He's a mountain How man. How long would you survive in the wilderness? Not very long. In Alaska. Not very long. You don't think so? No. A week. Could you make it a week? I think you can. Can't you survive without eating or eating water or, I'm sorry, eating food or drinking? <laughs> I'm all mixed up mixed up today. Uh, eating food I think or drinking water for without, like a week. So. I think you can survive without food for maybe a week. I guess from that for, standpoint, without water, you can survive a week. You can survive like three days. It wouldn't be long, though. That's for sure. So the last frontier, Alaska. Uh, we'll get to the worst list later this week, though. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. We got RCST Trivia, Kevin Flaherty, all coming up in the 4 o'clock hour on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk, 4 o'clock hour here 
on KLWN as we get started with some more RCST trivia. We've got two football matchups today. Kevin Flaherty is also going to join us at 440 here. RCST football trivia is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, and McDonald's. And uh, make sure to check out all our great sponsors as part of this thing. So our two matchups today, we've got Kevin Coker versus Colton New and then Nathaniel Abeda versus Andrew Wymore. Then we'll have three more matchups coming up on Wednesday, three more coming up on Thursday. Uh, so far, Blake beat Chris yesterday, Garrett beat Lane, and, uh, you know, Nobody's been able to get the really hard ones right. I don't <laughs> expect that to happen in round one. Should I go as far to say that if somebody gets a week one, I, I didn't mean round one, week one, because basically at this point, we're just going to continue on. The really hards have been extremely hard um, to where we're just going to to make it even for everyone. Everyone is going to get a stupidly really hard one for week one. And then once we get to week two, week three and on, we're going to try to make the really hards a little bit more gettable just to make them actually attainable, right? Um, but if somebody does get a really hard right in week one, I almost want to guarantee them like a pair of KU football tickets. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, yeah, we'll I mean, think about it. They're really hard. I mean, they are very, yes. very difficult. Just for week questions. one, though. Just for week one. Because these are it's going to be, you know, stupid hard. we got to set the tone early, you know. <laughs> and then week two, we'll, we'll pump the gas off a little bit. Uh, nonetheless, let's get into our first matchup of the day between Kevin Coker and Colton New. So we've got a matchup between a couple of football newcomers. That would be Colton New and Kevin Coker. Uh, Kevin, I want to I want to start with you. you. You're a coach at Piper High School, where uh, I believe you coach powerlifting. Um, I, I, take me through it. What what is your life day to day as as a coach there, and and uh, in what ways are you a KU football fan? Yeah, so um, I uh, I coach at Piper High School. I used to coach football um, here at Piper. Um, coached a couple of K State kids actually. Um, and a couple of guys who are on the roster at KU, um, but I am now full-time strength and conditioning coach. So um, no more football. I'm just a fan now. Um, and uh, my KU uh, passion, I mean, I kind of grew up in a K-State family um, and um, just kind of over the years watching some local kids go to KU uh, was a lot of fun and kept up with those guys and kind of getting to know coaches around the state and know their kids. Um, it, it was a lot of fun just to see those guys and, and kind of fell in love with that Orange Bowl team and the, the Cinderella story there. Um, and that's kind of where it started, and I've, I've stuck around ever since. Colton, you have been brash on Twitter about needing to win some Johnny's gift cards here. Um, I don't know. Talk to me. Do you have a favorite Johnny's menu item? And uh, tell me about your KU football fandom. Um, well, I love the pizza, obviously. Yep. So um, I'm a big fan of the pizza. I think the first time I tried it, I was with my... Uh, buddy Maui Ahuna, who played uh, for KU football, or not KU football, KU baseball team. He transferred to Tennessee uh, last year and recently got drafted to the Major League Baseball uh, League, so that's pretty cool. So um, we had that moment together where we just went for dinner or lunch, and I really liked their pizza. Me as a KU guy, well, I go to KU obviously right now. I'm going into my senior year. I'm a secondary history education major, um, and I currently work for the KU Athletics Department part-time, so I've actually been a big fan of KU for four years. My parents never went to college, so I'm 
kind of like building my own legacy basically and so I now get to work for KU and serve KU and our student athletes so that's really fun. So I'm excited for this. It'll teach me a few things and yeah. All right. Well, well said there from both of you guys. All right. Um, let's see. Colton, I'm going to give you the coin toss here. Do you want to pick heads or tails? I'll pick heads. All right. Heads it is. It comes up tails. So, uh, Kevin, you have the option. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? I'll defer. All right. Defer it is. That means Colton, right. you're going to be up first and uh, Kevin will be up second. All right. Into the easy round. First question for you, Colton. It's worth three points. First quarter. This Jayhawk linebacker with the first name Ben wore the number 31 uniform from 2010 through 2014. What's his name? Oh, boy. Um, his name's Ben? Yes. All right. Um, ben... Dude, I feel like I know this one. Um, ben, I'm going to go with, I don't know, uh, Ben Williams. Correct answer is Ben Heaney. Ben Heaney, maybe a little bit before your time. All right, Kevin, your first question. This Jayhawk linebacker with the first name Joe wore the number 29 uniform from 2014 through 2018. Joe Deneen. Sorry, Joe Deneen, one in a long line of the Deneens. Of course, Jay, also a linebacker, played at KU a little bit after. All right, 3 nothing. Kevin in front after the first quarter play. We move on to the second quarter into the medium round worth six points. Colton, for you, two Jayhawks are going to wear the number three uniform in 2023. One is a corner, one is a wide receiver. Can you name one of the two? Um, shoot. Um, I'd say Lawrence Arnold or um, Jacoby Bryant. You're just a digit off. The correct answer was Tanaka Scott or Mellow Dotson. Either one of those would have worked there for you. All right, Kevin, this one for you. Two Jayhawks are set to wear the number 20 uniform in 2023. One is a running back. Another one is a linebacker. Can you name one of the two? Uh, Daniel Hyshaw. That's right. Daniel Hyshaw won. The linebacker won a little tougher. That would have been Donovan Gaines was the correct answer there. All right, 9-0 the lead for uh, Coach Coker here as we head to the third quarter, second half of play into the hard round. These are worth seven points. Colton, for you, who led Mark Mangino's first Kansas team in 2002 in rushing touchdowns with 11 of them? Um, I'm going to go with Dude, who was the running back then? Um, I don't know. Default. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the correct answer is uh, Bill Whittemore. Bill Whittemore, actually the quarterback, the rushing quarterback, ended up leading the team. 
and rushing touchdowns that year. All right, Kevin, for you, who led Mark Mangino's 2004 Kansas team in passing yards and passing touchdowns? 04, was it uh, Kerry Meyer? I think you're just a year off maybe with that one. The correct answer is Adam Barman. Adam Barman, good dude. Hangs around in the uh, Lawrence area. Led the team there in that regard. All right, well, we head to the fourth quarter. Kevin, you have wrapped up the win, leading 9 nothing because this is worth eight points. But big opportunity for you, Colton, to try to hit one. These really hard ones are extremely hard. They'll be like that the entire first week. Uh, and then they'll maybe get a little bit easier starting in round two. But good luck to both of you guys here. Colton, for you. Name this Jayhawk linebacker who earned all big eight honors in 1971. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I don't know that one either. Okay. <laughs> Default. The correct answer is Kenny Page. Kenny Page was all Big 8 linebacker in 1971. All right, Kevin, for you, we got a chance to hit our first really hard question so far of the uh, start of the year. Name this Jayhawk tight end who earned all Big 8 honors in 1971. Oh, man, I have no idea. 1971. <laughs> you going to take a default as well? Uh, yeah, I have no idea. Correct answer is John Scroll. But just like that, Kevin, you come up with a 9-0 victory here. You get in your debut a trivia victory. Um, going back to the Adam Barman one, that was the one that could have really padded your score a little bit further there. Yeah. Uh, was that one where after hearing the answer, you were like, oh, man, I should have got that one? Or Yeah, I knew Meyer was in there, started that that season, but I I, I think I was a year early in my, in my guess there. Yep. Uh, Colton. Uh, I know it didn't go the way that you wanted to today, but did you have fun? Did you learn some new stuff about KU football? Oh, yeah, I did. Actually, I knew that two answers he got, so. <laughs> well, that's tough. He sometimes. Got yeah, sometimes it's uh, it's just the luck of the draw with, with who gets to go where and all that sort of stuff. Well, guys, I appreciate both being a part of this, and uh, we'll talk to you both next week for another edition of uh, a matchup with RCST Trivia. Sounds great. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Okay, that was uh, Kevin Coker, nine points for him in route to the victory over Colton New. And uh, Kevin, a newcomer into this event, I thought he fared pretty well as a newcomer. Yeah, these are both newcomers. Yeah. Kevin and Colton. Yep. And I think, yeah, I mean, Colton was very easily easy or close, I'm sorry, to getting, you know, nine points as well. You heard him say he knew the answer to the, uh, the other two. Yeah, and that's, I mean, dude, that's just one of the trademarks of trivia, man, is where... Sometimes, depending on the questions fall, you might be really close to getting one, and then the next person they they you know their question, and that's just how it goes sometimes. So it's a it's a tough matchup, but you know this is we talked about it. This is one of the joys of football, though, is you know you learn from your first matchup. Now you got two more opportunities to go out and, and get some points on the board and get a W. So, uh, yeah, a good first matchup for both those guys, and I'm glad they both uh, took the time to join RCST trivia because at the end of the day, 
it's about having a little bit of fun and, and learning about KU football. You know, I mean, I think I think people enjoy the challenge of it, but also it's just about the the, the friendly camaraderie of competition. Right, exactly. So uh, that's the beauty of it, and everybody's going home with at least some sort of prizes for entering into this thing. So cool stuff there. Thank you to one of our sponsors, Twenty Third Street Brewery, with dine in, carry out, and catering all available. Check out the outdoor patio if it's a little bit of a cooler day. Try the Bill Self Mac and Cheese, Haney Turkey Stack, any of the other great menu items, and don't forget about the Twenty Third Street Brewery beer, which you can get to go with their Crowlers. Also, thank you to Jayhawk Trophy, where you can get all of your great custom awards. They're engraving experts in Lawrence right down the street here on 6th Street with Jayhawk Trophy. One trivia matchup down, another one to go. We have uh, Nathaniel Abeda versus Andrew Wymore coming up on the other side. You're listening to RCST Football Trivia on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Kevin Flaherty will join the show in a little bit here to talk a little KU football with us. We got another trivia matchup today, though. Once again, RCST Football Trivia is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, and McDonald's. McDonald's in the Lawrence area, also the owners of Mr. D's Auto Wash right across the street. You can go grab yourself a Big Mac, then go get your car looking spiffy, and then you're going to be good to go after that. Uh, so we got a matchup here, Nathaniel Beta and Andrew Wymore for Andrew, he uh, has been a mainstay in basketball. Nathaniel just joined with basketball. He had a, a great, I think it was a second-round matchup this year. Um, so uh, looking forward to this one. We'll see what we can get into in our second matchup of the day. Our second and final trivia matchup of the day features a battle, a divisional battle, I should say. This is in the uh, Wednesday, or, or excuse me, this is the, uh, the today, group B, I believe. Today is Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, yes. Today <laughs> Tuesday Division B. Is we are on a day. Tuesday. Um, and it's Andrew Wymore taking on Nathaniel Abeda. Andrew was in this last year. He's been a, a mainstay in basketball. He has a phenomenal four under his belt in basketball. Last year in football, you went one in three. So is the goal to just, you know, get that second win this year? Is it just incremental improvements? I remember Mark Mangino saying uh, one year um, when asked what his – what the record was going to be and said 12 and no, which, which game do you want me to tell you that we're going to lose? So come on, Derek, you know, I'm not going to say we're, our goal is to go 500. No, we we're, we're, we're aiming for four and oh, and a spot in the playoff. Yeah. Uh, shoot for the, the moon hitting the clouds, something like that uh, along that same uh, Nathaniel, you, you did pretty well in, in basketball this past year. Um, this is your first time in football. So what are your feelings about your football knowledge compared to your basketball knowledge? Well, I wish I could echo Andrew's confidence, but uh, I, it should be okay. Worth the shot. Better, worse, or the same than basketball? Um, Probably slightly worse. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I'll, I'll give you as the newcomer a little beginner's luck. I'll let you call the coin. Nathaniel, do you want heads or tails? Tails never fails. All right. It has not failed. It is tails. So uh, do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Uh, I'll go first. All right. Andrew, you'll be up second. We're going to start in the first quarter of play. These are worth three points. Nathaniel, how many games did Kansas win in the 2008 season in which they won the Insight Bowl? Seven. The 
correct answer was eight. They won seven in the regular season. They won eight with the postseason game beating Minnesota. Okay, Andrew, your first question. How many games did Kansas win in the 2009 season in which Mark Mangino was fired at the end of the year? Five. That's right. They started 5-0, and oh, and then they lost seven straight. Things did not finish out well. Okay, on to the second quarter. Beauty of this one, as opposed to basketball, Nathaniel, is you're still alive. You can make up for it. Hit this next question. You're back in front. All right, Nathaniel. In 2009, Kansas started 5-0 and oh before losing seven straight games to finish the season. What Big 12 North school did they beat to get to 5-0, and oh, later representing... What was eventually Mark Mangino's final win at Kansas? Uh, I believe that was Iowa State. That was Iowa State. See, you get the early jitters out of the way, then you hit one, you take a quick 6-3 lead. Good hit there. Andrew, you got a chance to go back in front before you get into the halftime locker room here. In 2017, Kansas lost 43-0 and was held to just 21 total yards of offense in a loss on the road against what Big 12 team? Was that TCU? That was. TCU and the Iowa State road games that year, I think they were back-to-back. Those were uh, treacherous, I would say, to say the least. All right, 9-6. to six. We got a good one as we're going into the halftime break. Back to you, Nathaniel. This is worth seven points. Despite joining as a walk-on, this Jayhawk safety earned Sporting News All-Freshman Team honors in 2003. Gordon? Throw a name out there that you know in the era, so not a bad guess. The correct answer, though, is Jonathan Lamb. Jonathan Lamb, the correct answer there. All right, Andrew, if you can hit this question, you clinch the week one victory. Otherwise, Nathaniel's going to have a chance to steal one away from you. Your question, Andrew. After redshirting in 2002, this Jayhawk offensive lineman earned Sporting News All-Freshman Team honors in 2003. So he was a freshman in 2003? Yeah, redshirt freshman. My boy, Danny Lewis. Not a bad guess. You know, you, you lobbed out a name. Um, Bob Whitaker. Bob Whitaker is the correct answer there. I don't know if that name rings a bell at all. Okay. Center? Uh, I do not know. You would probably know better than I would. So I'll give you the hat tip on that one. Okay. Uh, on to the fourth quarter. Nathaniel, you trail uh, nine to six right now. So you have to hit this to go in front and put the pressure on Andrew. And keep in mind, total points do matter here. Okay, really hard. Nathaniel, who owns the KU record for most punts in one game with 15 of them doing so against Nebraska in 1972? Oh, I just get throw out a name I know from at least the area. I just say James. The correct answer is David Harris Jr. David Harris Jr. That's right. All the really hards in week one are going to be ridiculously stupid hard, so don't feel bad about missing those for sure. Okay, Andrew, 
your really hard question. You've already secured the win, so congratulations. But as I mentioned, total points do matter. They're the tiebreaker for winning divisions, for seeding in the playoffs, for um, possibly getting in at large berth into the playoffs. So if you can hit this, that'd be a nice leg up that you'd have. Nobody has scored more than 16 points, so it would give you the most points so far in week one. Andrew, the KU record for longest kick return is a 108-yard kick return in 1905 by who? Uh, I got nothing. Uh, order? You're actually kind of close to the last name. The correct answer is Pooler, as in Art Pooler. Art Pooler. Didn't have a lot on your Rolodex of 1905 players, did you? <laughs> Not much there. I don't. I let, Any, anything that we have to go back to the 1900s, I'm uh, um, I'm going to struggle with. Yeah, we're, we're laying the lumber down in the really hard round for week one. Like I said, once we get to week two, week three, the really hard round will get a little more attainable, but that's just how we made it in week one for, I don't know, some dumb fun reason. Um, nonetheless, Andrew, you came out with a 9-6 to six victory, so uh, check one. How, how do you avoid getting ahead of yourself and, and thinking too far about getting to 4-0 and before you get to 2-0? and we just keep sawing wood, Derek. We'll take the day off tomorrow, uh, get back to it on uh, Thursday, ready for week two. Nathaniel, uh, not the showing you wanted in your first performance. You fall just short. Um, you go back to the easy round question. Otherwise, we, we would have still been playing right now. What went wrong for you in that question? Well, since this is RCST football trivia, I will say I just fumbled the ball. <laughs> there we go. I couldn't quite remember exactly how many were in that season i would have i would have got andrew's question because i do remember the five and oh start and then the seven straight losses but i wouldn't have got his second question so okay so, so maybe a balance out andrew would you have known the eight wins for the inside bowl yeah i was uh kind of between seven and eight but then that uh minnesota win on uh december 31st 2008 got us to eight yep and uh, two bull wins in the same calendar year. That's always fun. Um, but good news for you, Nathaniel. You have time to make up for this. You still got a couple more regular season matchups to go. You can make it in as, you know, you could still hope that Andrew loses an X division matchup and you win and now it's a three-way tie or you could get in as an at-large. Andrew, you set yourself up well after uh, week one, but still plenty more to go for both you guys. So appreciate you both being a part of this. Uh, you're both getting rewarded. We already have uh, prizes for everybody who joined this thing, so you'll get a T-shirt and some uh, free McDonald's stuff. But thanks for being a part of this, and we'll see you both next week. Thanks, Derek. Nice, guys. So Andrew Wymore wins 9-6 to six over Nathaniel Abeda in week one. It's hard to put up high scores this week because the really hards are so yeah. insane. Yeah, With the, the difficulty, the strength of schedule, so to speak, in terms of the questions is increased for this first week, and I think it's showing in the scores uh, with some of these guys. I mean, dude. Art Pooler, that's not a real guy. That's not a real person. I disagree. <laughs> well, I guess where I'm concerned, I'm not as concerned with the really hards because, as I said, we're going to make those a little easier starting week two and on. Also, they are supposed to be really hard. I'm almost more concerned with we've had, I think, four people miss an easy question so far. Yeah. Have I made the easies too difficult? Maybe you have made the easies a little too difficult, potentially. But, you know, listen, it's so hard to balance because, I, you know, with, with basketball, like, Everybody knows all that stuff. Right. You know, with with football, it is much more difficult to gauge like what it is. is the 
you know, because I think the like idea some people might think they're they're yes. oh, of course that was easy, and then other people are like, I don't. Well, know. I think or, the the idea behind the easy questions is that they should be something that is like kind of common knowledge, sure. right? And in, and in, with KU basketball, it's very easy to say these are the things that are common knowledge. With KU football, you've got a wide range of fans, varying wide generations, and obviously you know some ups and downs of KU football. So there's time periods where maybe things are not as common mm-hmm. knowledge as you might think they might. Yeah. Uh, RCST Football Trivia is brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, celebrating their 70th anniversary this year. And, of course, you can try the new beer, the Blue Collar Lager, in addition to all their great food. We're giving out some Johnny's gift cards later on in this event. All right, we're going to take a timeout. Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports going to talk some KU football with us on the other side. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. About 20 till 5, this is RCST on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson and joined now by Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. Talk a little KU football here. Kevin, we were talking about these specialists, the special teams players for KU football earlier in the show today. If I told you that the offense and the defense were going to be like basically the same as they were last year for KU, so really good offense, one of the best in the conference, one of the worst defenses in the conference, but the special teams went from also being one of the worst in the conference to being a top half special teams unit or one of the better special teams units in the conference, which we'll, we'll see how that goes because, you know, they added new personnel. Obviously, Sean Snyder uh, gives some people hope. How many wins on its own is is that alone the special teams improvement worth? You know, I, I think you're probably looking at as crazy as it sounds, you know, maybe even as many as two more wins and, I realize that doesn't sound like a ton, but it is, right? Because the difference between a 6-6 six and six season and an 8-4 and four season is just monstrous. Two wins can change the entire outlook of everything. And, you know, I, I'm kind of glad you brought this up just because, you know, you hear people talk about Kansas and they bring up the defense and talk about the defense and talk about the defense. And, yes, I think we would all agree the defense does need to get better, but the special teams were ranked even worse than the defense when you look at things like SP+. And Kansas, I think, was ninth in the entire country in offensive SP+. So top 10 offense, terrific. Defense, I think, was just below the 100 mark. Wouldn't you say, Derek, wasn't it like 102 or something like that? Yeah, I think it actually ended up... was closer... Well, I was just... Special teams was closer to 130. Like, it was down near the absolute very bottom uh, of FBS football. And so while a lot of people talk about, hey, the defense needs to get better, and again, it it really does, I don't know that enough people are are sort of circling that special team saying, hey, this is is a group that really desperately needed to get better. I, I guess the one good thing about it is judging by what Kansas did in the transfer portal, judging by bringing in, you know, an Aussie rules punter, you know, via the recruiting class, judging by bringing in Sean Snyder, who has obviously a, a terrific history with special teams as well. Lance Leipold seemed to realize that the special teams needed to get a lot better. And so I think that's one of, one of the good things about it is that they've taken major steps to try and address that issue. Yeah, and I think early in the season they were ranking, you know, toward the lat- uh, the top half of the conference and then really over the back half, which I guess kind of similar to, you know, the run defense, it just kind of fell off. Um, and it's not that you point to any games necessarily like you would if, you know, you were in Iowa State 
fan or, or somebody where you were I, like, I think oh, you right? did, not to cut you off, but I think the K-State game is one that okay. you point to from a special team standpoint, and you say, you know, hey, this is – people forget about it because of the final margin. That was a two-score game in the fourth quarter and, you know, fairly late into the fourth quarter. And you look at the, the fumble, you know, early on where – where Kansas winds up getting the stop on, on K-State's first possession, winds up basically giving away a, a touchdown, and some of the other special teams miscues in that game. I'm not saying that Kansas wins that game with better special teams, but, man, there is so much pressure on K-State in the final five minutes of that game if Kansas has a better special teams outing. And I'm not even talking, Derek, like, hey, Kansas returns a kick for a score and actually has a really good special teams outing. I'm just saying if Kansas had gotten out of its way in that game from a special teams standpoint, that's a game that Kansas really has a chance to win down the stretch. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I guess that's a good point as well. And um, it's it's just, it's hard to, like, it's one thing to say, okay, the personnel is different with the kicker. Like, I expect Seth Keller to be a big upgrade there. You mentioned Damon Greaves, the uh, punter from, from Australia. Like, I... I don't totally know what to expect there because there's not the collegiate track record, but you do expect it to be an upgrade because you were last in the Big 12 in yards per punt. Uh, the one thing that's hard for me to figure out is what exactly is the like the kick return, the punt return, the coverage unit's going to look like, and that's where I think Sean Snyder probably comes into this, that you almost just say, well, he's he's tended to figure that stuff out as his, at his previous stops, but uh, that to me remains maybe the biggest question in all this. Yeah, I think Sean Snyder obviously has has shown a track record of being really effective with it. But I think the other thing that we haven't brought up is that special teams so often are an indicator of your roster depth, right? Like it's it's one of those things where teams that aren't very deep, a lot of times they're forced to play starters on special teams even when they're tired, even when they've been playing a lot of uh, plays on the get, you know, a lot of plays already on defense or on offense, they're still out there on special teams. And, you know, and there's a drop-off, either because of fatigue or the guys that you have out there who are reserves aren't as good. And I think not just with, with Kansas upgrading to the point that we can sit here and say, hey, Kansas has 85 scholarship players, hooray, you know, for the, for the first time in forever. I think the other part of it is, that I think they've really worked to kind of turn over this roster in terms of adding quality depth. And, you know, we talk about that with position groups, right? Like we talk about the fact that the offensive line might not just be five starters. You could have seven or eight guys that are starting caliber guys out of that group. Well, some of those guys are, are going to factor into special teams. You you look at the linebacker group, maybe getting a little bit deeper and, and a guy like, you know, J.B. Brown, if he isn't starting, if he is starting, you know, great, then one of the other guys could could factor in on special teams. But if he isn't starting, maybe maybe that's a guy who has an impact on special teams. And, you know, guys like Demarius McGee, is he a starter? We, we don't know at this point. Kansas does return its starting defensive backs, but Demarius McGee could wind up being a pretty good special teams player if he decides to if they decide to go that route with them. And, you know, you look at that safety group in particular, I think there's a lot of depth there. A lot of those guys are the guys that are going to be making those plays now where they're either returning guys, you know, they're, they're guys who are trying to get down and, and cover kicks and, and do things like that. And, 
And, and they're also, you know, the guys that, that maybe, you know, they're the guys that have a little bit more juice in their step to try and block a punt or do something like that and give you a momentum-changing play. And so I do think the overall roster depth is something that, that could factor into that group that maybe we don't talk about enough. We're talking with Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. We've discussed a lot of times on this show about how the teams who tend to do best in the Big 12 year in, year out, do really well in those one-score games. Uh, obviously, in a conference where a lot of the, the good teams are kind of stacked together and the difference between the top and the bottom isn't all that wide, it makes sense because you're going to play a lot of more close games. Uh, when you look at, though, what determines who ends up winning more of those close games, is there any science to it? Is there any way of kind of putting together before the season starts and being like, well, this and that, tends to work well in one score games if you're good at this or if you have this type of I don't know coach or player or quarterback whatever it is then you're going to do well in those one score games that that maybe makes it uh, I don't know a little easier to predict in in terms of some of those things or or does it just all come down to luck and turnover luck and and weird things happening like is there any way to kind of predict this sort of stuff was it Pop Warner that used to give the big speech to his teams before the season started and he introduces them to the football and he tells them, told each of his teams, better to have died as a small child than to fumble this football. <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, it's a joke. He did actually say that. I think I'm pretty sure it was Pop Warner. I'll have to have to look it up. It, it was definitely an old time coach, but jokes aside, turnovers are such a huge part of that. And I think that. You know, taking care of the ball is one of the things that you can legitimately control. You can't necessarily control how much other people give it away. You know, and when people talk about, hey, turnover rates a lot of times will change from year to year, and, and there's some luck involved, there there absolutely is. But you can control how much you hang on to the ball. You can control as a quarterback how much you put the ball at risk. The other team isn't always going to put the ball at risk. But if you can win the turnover battle, and I realize, you know, I'm sounding like a a 1920s or or 30s coach here, but if you win the turnover battle, more often than not, if you're in a one-score game, you know, you're going to have a chance to win it because of that, because of the extra possessions that you gain and and the other team doesn't. Yeah, and uh, I think that becomes interesting with Kansas then because, you know, last year they had – troubles holding on to the football they, they had troubles with some fumbles overall the quarterbacks did a good job avoiding interceptions even though I, I remembered actually you know going into last year that being a, a cause for concern um but I think that just comes from you know you hear maybe in practice Jalen Daniels like throwing interceptions or something I, I think that's just maybe him testing kind of his limits and stuff like that 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 becomes a big question to me uh, about the turnover numbers for this team because I, I almost do feel like on paper like outside of that where it becomes kind of a big unknown, this team to me for Kansas feels like they should be good in one-score games. You have a good quarterback in Jalen Daniels if the game is tight and you need a big score late. You have a good coach in Lance Leipold. You have a good offensive coordinator in Andy Kotelnicki. You have what should be a good running game. Um, there's a lot to like that I think you you say, okay, well, they should be good in one-score games. But I guess to your point, like the turnovers are the overall uh, kind of be-all, end-all in that regard. Yeah, I think so. And it was actually John Heisman that said it. Okay. It wasn't Pop Warner, but it was it was an old timey guy that that used to tell his team that. But 
Yeah, I agree with you. And yet, you know, you think about early on last season when Kansas had sort of its its full complement of healthy running backs, Kansas was putting the ball on the turf. And they got a, a few lucky bounces that that stayed with them and things like that. But I do think that ball security is going to be a huge part of it. And I agree with you that Kansas should be good at it because I think that not only are they going to have several good running backs who are able to take care of it, you have a quarterback in Jalen Daniels who's done a nice job of avoiding turnovers, but you also have that offensive line that has multiple guys that you can kind of rotate through and keep some guys fresh in different circumstances. And so I do think they should be able to to take care of the ball pretty well in those games. Now, does that mean, hey, Kansas is going to go 5-0 and in one four games, or is Kansas going to go 3-2 and in one four games? You know, that's that obviously remains to be seen, but I do think uh, I do think turnovers are the number one thing that that can kind of swing those games one way or another. I have definitely hinted at this many times just throughout our shows here recently, but I, I'm ready to to come full fledged with it. Oklahoma went six and seven last year. Kansas went six and seven last year. Both teams had really good offenses. Both teams had really bad defenses. Both teams returned their quarterbacks and return. Uh, Double-digit starters, both teams have younger coaches with their program. Um, Why is Oklahoma being seen as a top three or four team pretty consensusly, whereas Kansas is pretty consensusly around the, I don't know, eight to ten range? You know, I've talked to a few coaches this year who have history with Brent Venables, whether they've, they've worked with him or they know people who have worked with him or they've coached players who have come up under Brent Venables, and almost all of them said that Brent Venables' defense is not going to get solved in year one. And I think that that's a big part of the reason a lot of people see Oklahoma making that jump is you look at it and you say, okay, Brent Venables, we know he's an elite defensive coach. When you see what he did at Clemson, when you look at even what he did at Oklahoma before he went to Clemson, I mean, Derek, this is a guy that, had a top five defense. I don't remember what exactly it ranked, but he was able to look at it and say, you know what, we're not quite where I want us to be. And so they changed the system in the offseason and they had the number one defense in the country this year. And so the ability to not just be a good defensive coach one way, but to find ways to, to get the most out of out of what you have, I think is key there. I think obviously they've upgraded their depth. But even beyond that, you know, I I can't remember, did you watch the Oklahoma TCU game last year? Mm -hmm. TCU is a really good team, obviously. Went to the national title game. But so much of what Oklahoma struggled with in that game were busts. And they were, you know, things where guys were making bad decisions and they weren't where they were supposed to be. And I think a lot of us, who look at this Oklahoma team, look at them and say, okay, that, that bust is not going to occur this year. Or it's not going to occur as often. And when you upgrade the talent level the way that Oklahoma has as well, uh, I think that you know maybe there's a path to Oklahoma being better defensively or making a bigger jump defensively than Kansas does. I'm a lot higher on Kansas' offense than Oklahoma's offense, though. I think... Kansas has the better quarterback. I think, you know, Oklahoma, the wide receivers, I'm, I'm a little questionable about how those guys are going to pan out in, in Kendall Bryles' system, which requires those guys to not just win, but win vertically. 
And so I'm a little more skeptical of Oklahoma's offense, but I do think that when you're looking at Oklahoma and saying why is Oklahoma potentially a 10-win team, and and I think their their Vegas number is 9.5, right? And Kansas is down around the six mark. I think that defensive improvement that a lot of people think is going to come is the biggest reason why. Is there a Big 12 game on KU's schedule that you feel like is the biggest swing game of whether they can hit that you know six or seven win mark or have that successful season? Is there one game in the Big 12 schedule that maybe you're having trouble, trouble picking for KU that uh, you think could boost them to having that, that strong year? No, because I can't pick any of them. <laughs> you know, and I'm not. I'm not, I'm not trying to be, you know, a, a wise guy or, or whatever else. But I think that there are so many of those games that could go a lot of different ways. I don't know what to expect when Kansas plays BYU. Do you? No, I don't. I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I think I have a general feeling for for what BYU is, but especially with it being that early in the season, with Keaton Slovis still breaking in for for BYU. You know, there, there's a chance that Kansas wins that game. UCF, I don't have a great feel for that game. I think UCF has a talented team. They're second in the Big 12 in returning production. But at the same time, that's not returning production from the Big 12. And, and so I think that one's a tough game to gauge. I think Texas is one that, you know, based on last year's result, we, we maybe kind of throw away and say, oh, Kansas isn't going to go win in Austin, but – that's exactly what Kansas did last time it went into Austin. One, and two, I don't know that a lot of people realize. But I want to say this in a way that doesn't sound bad. Kansas was very conservative with Jalen Daniels in that game. And I think that was a big part of the reason that game got away the way that it did was basically Texas bet that, hey, Kansas is not going to have Jalen Daniels carry the ball. In his first game back, and Jalen, I think, carried the ball two times. I don't know that either of them were designed. And they they made that bet, and Kansas didn't want Jalen to carry the ball. And so I think that one got away maybe a little more than it would have had Jalen been healthy and all of these other things. Oklahoma State is one that maybe I would circle just because I don't know what to expect with Oklahoma State. And if Kansas can go – into Stillwater and leave with a big Big 12 road win there against a team that, you know, quite frankly, was one of the Big 12's worst teams down the stretch last year. You know, maybe that does set them up, you know, for an eight-win season or, or better. It, but, it, again, it's tough to know at this point with so many games that I think could be close, which one you're going to circle or, or which ones you're going to circle and say, this is the difference maker, this is the one that's – is going to tell something, Derek. I, it wouldn't surprise me at all when Kansas State comes to Lawrence to see Kansas be really, really close in that game. But if Kansas wins that game, is that the game that makes the difference? I, I really couldn't tell you. All right, we only got about a minute left here, but uh, who is the local prospect of the week? Sure. Yeah, we've got Charlie Wollabin, a twenty twenty five defensive end from Desoto. He's six foot five and two hundred and fifteen pounds. Again, this is a guy who's six foot five going into his junior year of high school. Uh, he got an offer from Nebraska. He's a really good athlete. He went to KU's camp. They really liked him. They didn't offer him then, but they said, "Hey, come back in a couple days for an unofficial visit." And he did. They showed off the program. They gave him an offer. 
So he's a he's a guy that you know isn't far away. Being in Desoto, Kansas has offered him. He's he's got some athleticism to go with that frame, and I, I think you know when Michael Swain has talked to him and interviewed him and everything. I, I think Kansas is pretty high on his list right now, based on the way that camp setting went and and based on the way the unofficial visit went too. So he'll be one for Kansas fans to uh, to keep an eye on. He is Kevin Flaherty. Check out all his work, 24-7 Sports. Kevin, appreciate the time as always, man. All right, thanks a lot, guys. All right, that's Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports. Two hours down, one to go. We got a little KU basketball deep dive next on KLWN with RCST. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour on RCST. Um, we have a, an update from the uh, Joe Krause situation, which I wanted to mention here before we get into this KU basketball deep dive. Shreyas Lot of the Kansas City Star was at the Lawrence Courthouse, the the Douglas County, whatever it is, wherever it happened. I, I don't know if this was in Lawrence or Kansas City. Nonetheless, um, he uh, was arrested for severity level five person felony in regards to the bomb threat of the KU football facility. Uh, Krause stands accused of unlawfully, uh, feloniously, and with the intent to place another in fear or to cause the evacuation lockdown or disruption in regular ongoing activities of any building communicate a threat to commit violence. Uh, Krauss was booked on Monday and uh, he has a bond of $10,000. The state had requested his bond to be set at $30,000 and Krauss have a no contact order with non enforcement witnesses, but the judge set it at 10 K the next court date is set for 9 a.m. on Wednesday, August 2nd. According to the court filing, the penalty range for the charges Krauss is facing range from a minimum of 31 months to a maximum of about 11 years and four months in prison and a fine of $300,000 and 24 months of post-release supervision. Yeah, so obviously this is... Uh, very serious. Very, very serious charges that are being levied. And, and you know, even if it was just a, a prank gone wrong, which we don't know for sure, that's just kind of what the maybe was suggested at first... Regardless, uh, you know, this is serious business. You know, this is – you definitely don't want to be messing around with something like this. And so, uh, you know, I, I guess we'll wait and see what else what else comes of it. And and uh, obviously a difficult situation, I think, for KU, especially considering fall camp's right around the corner. Yep. Okay, I want to get into this KU basketball deep dive here. Uh, the deep dive we're going to be going on involves returning starters. How often has a returning starter or returning player – played less minutes the next season or no longer been a starter the year after. So this actually looks at okay. all players, but I, I think it's very pertinent for... Um, so guys that basically started under Bill Self one year and the next year either didn't start Started or less games, less. right? Yeah. And there, there is, there's like one guy on this list or maybe a few guys on this list that weren't maybe full-time starters, that maybe they started partial games. That's where I, I said the word player. But they at least did start games and maybe the numbers went down. So um, I went back and, and looked, and uh, since 2009, there have been 73 players at KU, so all that would be under Bill Self, to have played 20 or more minutes per game for 25 or more games in a season. Here's the list of the players to play less the next season, not counting injury. So like Yudoka Azubuki maybe one year played you know, from his, okay, yeah. what, freshman to sophomore year, sophomore year, 
plays less games because he gets injured, right? So if we're not counting injury, these are the list of guys who played less the next year. Um, 2008 to 2009, Sharon Collins. That was junior year Sharon Collins started 35 games, played 35 minutes per game. As a senior, he played 33 minutes per game. Does that one really count? Probably not. Did he start more games, though? He did. They just played more games. Okay. It, it was less about that. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, 2011 to 2012, Elijah Johnson. That was junior year Elijah Johnson. Started 38 games, played 32.2 minutes per game. Next year, as a senior, he plays 31 minutes per game. Again, not really that much of a difference. You're a full-time starter. You played 1.2 less minutes per game. Okay, not a big deal. 2017-2018, uh, LeGerald Vick. That was sophomore LeGerald Vick, I believe. No. Might have been junior. No, that was junior year LeGerald Vick. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Uh, 35 games started, 33.1 minutes per game. This one was the, the smallest of all margins. 2018 to 2019, senior year Vick starts 20 games before he gets booted off the team 33.0 minutes per game so that 0.1 less minutes per game again before he gets asked to leave yeah not really a thing uh then you have junior year david mccormick started 28 games played 23.1 minutes per game senior year david mccormick 37 game starts actually more starts but 21.9 minutes per game so down 1.2 minutes per game uh you can attribute a bit of that to him struggling early in the season though he did in in the previous year as well but um he had the few games that he didn't start, like Mitch Lightfoot started over him. He just had a better backup that year. And again, not that big of a difference. 1.2 minutes per game difference. Uh, Tyshawn Taylor in 2008 to 2009 was a freshman. He started 33 games, 26 and a half minutes per game. Then as a sophomore, that 29-2010 Kansas team. Like if you think back, that 08-09 Kansas team was, you, you lost all of your top eight from the national title team going into that year except for Cole and Sharon. Um, so there was a lot more minutes to be had. The 0910 team was loaded. That team lost two games in the regular season. So his minutes went down 26 and a half minutes a game per game to 23.1 minutes per game. Maybe that's one that we look at here. But even then, that's only going down like three and a half minutes per game. Yeah. Brady Morningstar, 2008 to 2009, I believe was his sophomore year, started 34 games, 30 and a half minutes per game. Then 2009 to 2010, again, that more loaded year, goes down to just nine games started and 21 and a half minutes per game. So that's a pretty sizable difference. Still playing a good amount of minutes per game at 21, but that's a nine-minute decrease from the year before. Final guy on this list is Jamari Trailer in 2014 to 2015. I believe that was his junior year. He started 18 games. 20 and a half minutes per game. Then as a senior in 2015-2016, he uh, only started eight games, 13.6 minutes per game. That's because Landon Lucas um, kind of took over as the starter midway through that 2016 year, and, and that was a better team and everything like that. So that means over the 73 players since 2009 to play 20 or more minutes per game for 25 or more games in a season, there were only seven players who went down in minutes the next year. That's a very small number. And realistically, if you're not really wanting to count, which I don't really either want to count Sharon Collins, Elijah Johnson, LeGerald Vick, David McCormick um, on this list, because all those were down by like a minute or a minute and a half per game. That's only three of seven players. And then if you're looking at guys who went down by five or more minutes per game, it's only two players of the 73. And only one of them went down even close to 10 minutes per game. Which means that um, pretty much, and on top of it, like I should mention that a majority of these, like the 0809 ones with Morningstar, Taylor, and Sharon Collins, all of those on there were on teams that 
became loaded the next year to where it went down. Um, so really, it's just those two guys, Jamari Trailer and, and Brady Morningstar um, from this situation. And I think why this is important is when you look at this roster, like what it means for this roster, the guy that I immediately go to is K.J. Adams. Yeah. Because you're talking about a player who's going to be playing a different position this year. There are questions about what exactly his fit is going to be on the roster, like in terms of how well it's going to fit more so than anything, um, to where it, it's hard because there's not a ton of other options at the four. Marcus Adams transfers away. Like, who are your other four men? Are you going to play Kevin McCuller as small ball four and play more of these guards? I guess that's possible. There aren't those other options necessarily. This would have been more of a real interesting conversation had KU added an Arthur Kaluma or a Grant Nelson or something like that. But it still is of interest because there are some people still out there that are like, I don't think the KJ Adams thing is going to work at the four and he's going to only have to you know, come off the bench and we're going to play Kevin at the four starting and you're going to start Dewan with Arterio Morris and Nick Timberlake and have more of that spacing. But I point to this right here and I'm basically like, listen, man, Bill Self, when he trusts a player, yes. when he is proven to trust a player, that trust just doesn't go away. Dude, the Bill Self circle of trust is very hard to break into. Yes. And once you're in, you don't generally get kicked out. Unless you're just unless you, you know, normally it's like off the court stuff. <laughs> but typically if you out. have that off the court stuff, then you probably never were in the in, in the circle of trust to begin with. Yeah, there's been exceptions. I mean, I got like Gerald Vick. Mm-hmm. He was he was. In uh, I don't know. I don't think he was ever really in that circle of trust. But he, in terms of minute, in terms of how much he got, they got to play. Yes, there were also those were also years where KU was very not deep. That was those were years where Clay Young was playing as a walk on. Yeah, um, and true. I remember actually Bill Self like talking about this during some of those years, like on Hawk Talks, where he would talk about like you know in past years we've been able to use the bench as a motivation tool, and it, it's unfortunate we can't use it these years. You know, yeah, that's fair. No, that's fair. But no, I I hundred percent agree with you because KJ Adams is I think a guy that clearly from a motivational standpoint, from a personality standpoint, from an on the court standpoint. I would say is pretty much gained Bill Self's trust significantly because he's he's been talked about as the hardest worker on the team. He got moved positions and attacked it and became the, you know, uh, most improved player of the year in the Big 12. So there's you can't question his attitude, you can't question his work ethic, you can't question his will to to be out there to want to play. And those are the types of players to your point that generally play for Bill Self, mm-hmm. okay? Regardless of schematic fit, regardless of how it's going to work on the floor. I mean, and Bill Self, uh, I think it's interesting right now because KU has two guys, both on the football side and basketball side. Andy Kolnicki said the same thing. But Bill Self has said the same thing, too, where he would rather have the best five players on the floor and then he'll just make it work, okay? And it feels like, to me, KJ Adams is going to be one of those five best Mm -hmm. players, okay? He's going to be at least to start the year. Now, as the year progresses and maybe, you know, El Marco turns out is an elite player that you have to have out there, you need Nick Timberlake shooting out there, and maybe Arturio Morris becomes a, a great two-way player also, and suddenly that does start to cut into a little bit. But I think for the first good probably month or so of the season, it's going to be K.J. Adams. He's going to be playing a sizable chunk of minutes, and the, the situation, the matchups be damned. It's going to be... KJ Adams, Hunter Dickinson, and Pro- and Kevin McCuller up, you know, as your three guys up front, and it, it Bill Self is just going to find a way to make it work. Period. End of story. Uh, and, le- and like I said, unless El Marco turns into a guy that you just absolutely have to have out there, and suddenly it makes more sense to have him out there, 
in a lineup where you do put Kevin at the four, and now you do have more electric scoring from the guard standpoint. But to start the year, based on everything I've just said, I have a hard time believing that K.J. Adams is not going to be seeing sizable minutes to begin the season. There's two ways, too, of looking at this from a standpoint of what it means for his playing time. The first way of looking at it is basically saying 90-whatever percent of players end up playing more the next year they're a starter. And so that would mean the math would tell you there's a good likelihood K.J. Adams does play even more next year. He's not just playing less. He's playing more. He's going from averaging 27.3 minutes per game to averaging 28 minutes per game, which, you know, most projections, and, and I think even the ones that I've been projecting out have him closer to maybe 24, so maybe that's wrong. Now then again, if we do want to look at this and say, okay, there is at least some precedent there of a guy going down in minutes per game that... You know, even though KJ, I do expect to be in that circle of trust. I do expect him to play big minutes. I do expect him to be a starter. Maybe it does make more sense for him to go down from, you know, 27 minutes per game to 23, 24 minutes per game. There is some of that with Jamari Trailer and Brady Morningstar. So I, I guess it just depends which way you look at it. I think beyond KJ Adams, though, you can look at this with any player returning as a starter, um, which obviously becomes two guys for KU, Kevin McCuller and Dewan Harris, and how much they're going to play this next season. With... With Dewan Harris, you have examples of other point guards on this list going down in minutes because the team got more loaded around him. Like, you think about it from this standpoint. The upgrade, in theory, from going from Bobby Pettiford and Joe Yesifu as your other guards to Artario Morris and Omarco Jackson seems to be pretty significant. Could that eat into Dewan yeah. Harris's minutes? Because it's easy to be like, okay, well, you know, he'll obviously go up in minutes, 34.2 minutes per game, but could he follow the path of Tyshawn Taylor? who went down about three and a half minutes one of his seasons? Could he follow the path of Elijah Johnson, who went down about a minute and a half? Could he follow the path of Sharon Collins, who went down about two minutes per game? Because they have more options and they have ways of getting him rested. I don't think it's that crazy. Or even if he just stays stagnant, right? Mm-hmm. Like, even if he just, his numbers don't increase. But, I mean, you have some guys on this list that you pointed out, you know, where their minutes dropped by a minute or two. one minute. Yeah. Right? But extrapolate that out to a whole game over this. I mean, that that gives you a lot more time where you can play with El Marco or mm-hmm. Arturio or however you want to play it. So I think that's entirely possible. But then we get into a situation where it's like, okay, it rarely happens. If you're saying it's going to happen to KJ and Dewan, two players in the same year. But you could also go back to the 08-09 season and be like, well, happened with three guys there. That team or from 08-09 to 9-10. Uh, but the 9-10 team was so loaded depth-wise, too. It wasn't just, you know, whereas this team only has 10 scholarship players right now that it's maybe hard to see that happening. If you want to go with Kevin McCuller, too, 30.6 minutes per game, does that number go down to preserve him being, you know, healthy? I almost view Kevin now, and yeah. I'm like, okay, that's going to go up. That's going to be 32 minutes per game. If he you can know? stay healthy. Yeah, 100%. So, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe just some things to look at. Like, you can pull the exceptions of, like, Jamari Trailer, Brady Morningstar, and some of these other players as being like, yeah, they did go down in minutes per game, but also... If you're going to use those exceptions, just know they are a very small percentage of the players that have done it, and even the ones that have done it, their minutes have gone down pretty much a very small amount that I wouldn't, whether it's this year's team or when we're talking about this in the future, expect things to change a lot for a lot of these players. 
All right, we're going to take a time out here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll talk some more uh, KU news on the other side. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that would be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page, at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter, RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.